0: That's marketplace.walmart.com/slash savings. Welcome to e-commerce conversations, a podcast by Practical E-Commerce.
1: Welcome to e-commerce conversations by Practical E-Commerce. My name is Carrie Murdoch. The increasing dominance of Amazon has many merchants scratching their heads, wondering how exactly to work with that company and how that company will impact their own businesses. There is no one more qualified to address those concerns than our guest today. He's James Thompson, a former Amazon executive, and now the co-founder of a conference to assist Amazon sellers. Well, James, thank you for your time today.
0: Thanks very much for having me. I'm excited to be back with your uh, back with your organization, having a discussion about Amazon Marketplace, which is a topic I love to talk about and at the same time hate to talk about. But nonetheless, it is what it is, and happy to answer questions.
1: I don't know anyone that's more qualified to talk about it, though, than especially for our audience, James, than you. So we're excited to be visiting with you. Uh, the first question for you today has to do with focus on e-commerce merchants in terms of what what merchants should be focusing on. As you know, our listeners, by and large, are merchants that have their own websites and they, and they uh, put a lot of effort into those e-commerce sites. Uh, some of them sell on Amazon. Some of them don't. So putting on your consulting hat, what would you tell a merchant? Uh, what should a merchant's strategy be? If he has a website going, he's selling products, he or she's selling products, How should he approach Amazon if he doesn't work with Amazon already?
0: So it's a very interesting question and I think to answer it we have to uh, separate out different types of of merchants. Um, Let's look at the merchant who is a straight reseller of someone else's products and then we'll talk about the merchant who has his or her own private label products. I think there's a very important distinction between these two. Uh, We'll start with the easier case. If you are a reseller of someone else's brand you sell product that you don't make yourself. Um, you're just you're buying it from a distributor or from a manufacturer, or possibly you're even a gray market seller. But you're you're not actually selling someone else's product, unless that unless that brand is is not selling on Amazon. Also at this time, then the likelihood of you being able to attract customers to come to your site versus those same customers going to Amazon to find the same products, it's getting harder and harder to drive traffic to something other than Amazon if the products already exist on Amazon. And, and the reason this is happening is Amazon bids very aggressively on PPC, on Google, and because they have so much traffic to their overall site, their product listings of a particular brand are likely going to show up much higher in, in pay-per-click or SEO than a merchant might might be able to do with its own website. So as Amazon continues to be the behemoth and, and get to be even bigger and bigger here in the U.S., a merchant with its own website reselling someone else's products is going to have a very tough time uh, getting at least its fair share of traffic to its own website to get customers interested in its product. The other issue happening is that you've got uh, the power of Amazon's FBA program, their fulfillment by Amazon program, and whether a merchant is able to offer free shipping, or overnight shipping, or some kind of shipping that is comparable to Amazon's FBA uh, promises, at the end of the day, we've already got 60 million plus customers today who are Prime customers, and that number continues to grow. So for a merchant to be able to compete, not just on price, but also on the delivery promise that Prime offers today, that's continuing to, to make life very difficult for a merchant with its own website. Now, let's, let's talk for a minute about the, the merchant that's selling its own private label brand. So they don't have other sites where the product's being sold. The product's not already being sold on Amazon, but rather just being sold on its own website. So th- this model works fine as long as the merchant's happy with the amount of traffic and the amount of sales uh, that it's getting on its own website. If, if the merchant is looking to continue to grow its business 30, 40, 50, 100% year over year, uh, that's likely going to involve making very significant investments in pay-per-click uh, and looking for ways to drive traffic to the website, possibly through social media outlets like Facebook. Um, but there's a lot of work needed to drive the traffic to the website. Unless the merchant has a brand that you know showed up on Oprah or showed up on some big TV show and now everybody's talking about it, it's going to be difficult for that brand to get the visibility that it needs when it's competing with very large marketplaces like Amazon. So what I often see is a brand will launch itself on its own website, let's say, for example, a Kickstarter brand, they've got got a brand, they start selling it, it's on their website, they get some initial traction from people who have heard about the product through whatever means the brand has made available. But then, as the brand says, well, my sales are starting to stagnate, how do I take it to the next level? To take it to the next level, you gotta spend a lot of money on advertising, or you've got to find some other way to get a lot more customers looking at your product. And for many brands, what they end up doing is making that difficult decision that they're going to start selling the product on Amazon. Now, the good news is if you sell on Amazon, you don't have to sell to Amazon. You can you can be the seller of record on Amazon and continue to get sales uh, and continue to get retail margins minus the fees you pay Amazon. But the reality is you're going to get a couple hundred million customers that otherwise weren't seeing your product on your website. So there is a trade-off there. To, to what extent are you prepared to let Amazon get a sales commission for making, making, help, help make the sale on their site? But at the same time, you're buying access to a couple hundred million customers that you would never be able to afford to get access to if you were trying to do it through your own website.
1: To take that example a, a, a step farther, James, so if a merchant in one of those two, uh, say a merchant that has its own niche product, uh, perhaps manufactures its own product the way you described it there, so they're contemplating perhaps their own Amazon, they want to take their Amazon sales to a next level, or they're mm-hmm. contemplating moving to Amazon, what are some of the obstacles that they're going to encounter that perhaps they're not aware of now? So
0: there's, there's a few few big ones that I, I think about the first one is if you're going to sell on amazon as a seller for all intents and purposes unless you happen to sell hugely oversized products if you sell standard size products um, you you basically have to use amazon's fulfillment by amazon program you have to use their fda program meaning you're going to ship product in bulk into amazon's fulfillment centers and they uh, amazon's going to do the individual order fulfillment that's great in terms of allowing you to be able to scale the order fulfillment process in the sense that you don't have to staff up during you know, busy times of the year because Amazon will take care of that. But there are some challenges with using FBA, and the big one for most most brands is that when you use FBA, you trigger sales tax nexus in all of the states where Amazon has fulfillment centers. Now, I'm not a tax expert, but I work with brands that, that have to face this issue every day And for most brands, when they start selling product through FBA, um, they, they could end up with well north of 20 different states where today they don't otherwise have a physical presence in that state. But because Amazon is placing their FBA inventory in fulfillment centers in those states, that triggers tax nexus. Here's the scary thing about tax nexus. If you trigger tax nexus on Amazon and your seller account is the same legal structure, let's say the same LLC, as your own website business, you now have transferable to sales tax nexus, which means the tax nexus you generated through your Amazon business now applies to the sales on your own website. So unless you're also collecting sales tax for those same states into which you ship product from your own website, uh, you've got a liability there that you haven't figured out how to address. So sales tax nexus is a scary a scary issue that sellers need to think about if they're going to start selling on Amazon through FBA, but the risks are completely manageable if you get registered in the appropriate states and you make sure that you remit the taxes appropriately. Now, sales tax nexus is hardly the only issue to think about with Amazon. The other big, ugly issue is the fact that there's an incredible amount of competition on Amazon. So while you may have a product that solves a certain problem for customers, chances are there are lots of other good alternatives on Amazon, other people selling products that, that are also trying to solve the same problem. So, although your product may have uh, a loyal following off of Amazon, uh, on Amazon, the, the number of customers trying to solve those same problems, are, I'm sorry, the number of customers trying to have those same problems solved uh, is going to be significant and they're looking for solutions. You're brand new to the site, you're going to have to build up traction, get traffic get eyeballs looking at your product versus other types of products that might also be relevant to solving those same problems for customers. So you're going to have to do advertising. You're going to have to optimize your listings. You're going to have to do a lot of things that you might have been able to get away with on your own website, but on Amazon, you've got to be, you've got to be doing all the best practices to make sure your products surface and customers see it, uh, the product pages look good, and people make that decision to add the product to their shopping cart. The other thing I do want to mention about Amazon that's a little bit strange for a lot of small business owners, um, there's a lot of irrational seller behavior on Amazon. Sellers that don't understand their cost structures and, and companies selling product that actually loses them money, but they don't necessarily know that they're losing money until the end of the year, or they never actually know they're losing money because they don't disaggregate their sales numbers down to the individual skew. So you end up competing against companies that might not really be making any money. So how do you compete against somebody that long-term doesn't get it? That's a very challenging, challenging issue for a lot of small business owners. And you know, we're not interested in being in this for the long run to lose money every year. And yet for many sellers on Amazon, uh, they've got enough other products that are compensating for those losses that, that they may be making money at a, at a holistic level. But on individual products that might include competitors to the products that you're trying to sell on Amazon, they might be losing money, and, and they don't understand that, and you've got to compete against that.
1: You mentioned there, James, earlier that I think you said that if you sell on Amazon, you, uh, you pretty much have to use or need to use fulfillment by Amazon. Yes. Well, yes. Uh, so there's certainly merchants that have their own fulfillment operation, or they use independent fulfillment companies that do a good job for them right now. Why does a merchant have to use FBA when they sell on Amazon?
0: Right. So um, th- there's two issues. Unless you're a national brand that everybody searches for by name, m- most customers on Amazon are searching for products uh, by some generic terms. So, for example, if I'm looking for dishwasher detergent, I- I'm going to type in dishwasher detergent in the search bar and go looking for products. And then the products that have converted well on Amazon, the products that, that have uh, gotten a lot of traffic, those are the ones that are going to surface on Amazon at the top of search results. Here's, here's the challenge. Sixty million customers on Amazon have Prime accounts. If they're signed into Amazon when they make that search for dishwasher detergent, Amazon is going to show them the Prime-eligible products first. Products that are in FBA are Prime-eligible. So if you're selling dishwasher detergent and you don't have your product in FBA, your listing is not gonna show up at the top of search, all other things being equal. So for a lot of companies that don't use FBA, what they find is they're never part of the consideration set of customers looking for those types of products, in part because they're, 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 the, the non-FBA products are so far down in the search results, that customers never get to those products to see them. That's part one getting actual traffic to your to your product. Number two is customer conversion on the product page. The data would suggest that uh, products that are available in FBA convert at a much, much higher level than products that are not available through FBA. Uh, when I left Amazon about three years ago, um, I, I had done some, some research looking at this, and we were seeing almost triple-digit growth for products moved from non-FBA shipping to FBA shipping. Now, I don't know what the numbers are today, but you're still seeing a much, much higher customer conversion. Customers are much more interested in buying the product if it's available through Prime, meaning they're going to get it delivered to their door in two days, meaning if there's a problem, Amazon Customer Service is going to help take care of that immediately, and also meaning that, as a customer, I don't have to know who this seller is that's selling me the product. It doesn't matter if I've never heard of the seller. It doesn't matter if I've never done business with the seller. Amazon is going to take care of me because it's a prime eligible product, and I know that Amazon will do what's right for me as a customer. Those are the types of things that drive much higher customer conversion. So as a seller choosing to get onto Amazon and thinking about whether to use FBA or not, um, if the economics work in terms of paying for the FBA fees, then definitely I would encourage sellers to use FBA uh, because it's very difficult to grow your business at anywhere near the same rate for fulfilling the products yourself. Now, I do I do want to mention that Amazon recently, in the last six to eight months, has rolled out a program called Seller Fulfilled Prime, which is still very much in test in, in test mode. And this is a program where sellers that have done a lot of uh, order fulfillment themselves for orders sold on Amazon, Amazon is letting those sellers uh, try out Seller Fulfilled Prime, which basically says. You will get the prime eligible feature on your products, even though you, as the seller, are fulfilling the orders yourself, as long as you continue to fulfill those orders at the same, at the same performance level as what Amazon has for its prime eligible products. So there are, there are definitely some customers who are trying this. Sorry, I say customers. There are definitely some sellers that are trying this out. Um, it's an expensive program, but it does help to simplify having one set of inventory from which to ship rather than having your FBA inventory and your non-FBA inventory or your Amazon inventory or non-Amazon inventory. And certainly if you're fulfilling these orders yourself out of your own warehouse, the sales tax nexus issues can be a lot simpler because you don't have products sitting in Amazon warehouses all over the country.
1: You say it's expensive. Now, you say it's expensive. How, how is that ex- expensive in what way?
0: Well, it's expensive because you're still expected as a merchant to be able to ship the product to a customer within two days. So... If you're, for example, based on the East Coast and you've got a customer on the West Coast, you're not going to be able to ship that by truck. You're going to have to ship that by air. So now you're paying for two-day air shipping. That That's going to be expensive, and you're absorbing that cost as a seller. You're not passing that on to the to the customer. It's absorbed in the overall purchase price, just like FBA shipping fees are today.
1: Let's uh, – did you – I think I interrupted you, James. Did did you have another point on uh, FBA, or did you, before I move on to the next question?
0: Yeah, I mean, your question was really around obstacles. If you want to grow your Amazon marketplace sales, so we've talked about the use of FBA. We've talked about heavy levels of competition. We've talked about irrational competitors. Those are all big issues to think about. What I do want to be very cautious about, and please understand, I'm, I'm not trying to be a cheerleader for Amazon I'm just trying to highlight what I've seen from my own experience. If a seller has something differentiated, they spend the time and they build proper listings, they keep the product in stock, the product price is is comparable to other types of products on Amazon, the seller can actually do quite well for itself. And they're certainly going to grow at a much faster rate than they would if they were simply trying to push product through their own website. The question I get regularly is, well, what am I supposed to do with Amazon if I've already got my own website? And that's a really interesting strategic question, because there is a good use for having both types of of channels. For a lot of sellers, they use Amazon as a place to sell discontinued inventory or to sell excess inventory that they would otherwise be interested in selling on their own website. And and likewise, we've got companies that will use Amazon as their primary sales channel, that use their own website as their primary educational channel and customer engagement channel. So while we'd all like to do the kind of Amazon sales volume that we do on the Amazon sales channel, but we'd like to do that on our own website, that that's getting harder and harder to do, but I don't want people to throw away their own website because it's important to have both channels in place and to think through what are you going to use each channel for.
1: Let's change let's switch gears just for a second talk about sure. Amazon's dominance, increasing dominance uh certainly by any by any measure, Amazon is booming. The founder uh, Jeff Bezos uh, is i think he 's one of the richest men on the planet now, uh, yeah. but Amazon is disrupting so many segments of not only the u s economy but the worldwide economy we know real estate, retail books publishing movies groceries all of that Amazon sure. Sure. is impacting making huge huge changes to those uh, segments of our economy. My question for you uh, is, is Amazon too dominant?
0: So a different way of framing this problem is, what is Amazon doing for customers? Uh, Are they providing a better experience for customers in all of these different industries? Are they creating more selection, cheaper prices, faster delivery, higher quality content? Uh, Amazon believes that it's doing those things, and so while they may be going into certain industries and identifying that there's a lot of inefficiencies and figuring out ways to reduce those inefficiencies, the more inefficiencies they can reduce within an industry, hopefully the better experience they create for customers. Now, for the companies that are in those industries, yeah, they're, they're bleeding when Amazon walks in and it doesn't look pretty. But, but the way to think about this uh, long-term is if, if you're in an industry that's not very competitive or it's not very efficient, um, you are a target by someone who comes in and says, we, we, can, we can fix this industry by removing some of that inefficiency. And that's the philosophy Amazon takes when it uh, tackles new industries. Uh, Bezos has been, has been quoted many times as basically saying, show me a customer that doesn't want you know, cheaper, faster, better selection. Um, I, I don't know a customer anywhere in the world that doesn't want that. And that's the approach they take to, to tackling uh, or defining new avenues for growth. I'm not saying that I necessarily like it, but I certainly understand why they're doing what they're doing. And at the end of the day, if customers end up being able to get things faster and more selection and happier with the overall experience because inefficiencies of whatever that industry is have been removed for the customer, that that's ultimately a good thing. Here's one of the crazy things about the word dominant. In the U.S., in the US we have lots of anti-competitive rules, and – we we get very worried when anti-competitiveness, when Amazon, for example, if they were to come into an industry and be a dominant player, um, it's a big deal if they turn around and they use that market power to raise prices. But Amazon does exactly the opposite; they lower prices. They consistently lower prices to, to make sure that customers continue to keep coming back to Amazon. So it's kind of a it's kind of a weird a weird situation where. Amazon is a major player, but they're using their market power not to raise prices, but to be involved in more and more parts of every customer's wallet. So will Amazon be here to stay and and be part of more and more parts of our lives? Yes, I, I expect they will be. Will it mean lower prices for customers? Yes, it will be. Will it create better situations for other companies that are in these industries? Unless those companies are willing to step up and also look at ways to remove those inefficiencies yeah it 's going to be a rough ride for most in- most industries that Amazon decides to enter
1: James. we have just a minute or two left here uh, you, sure, you, sure. Are the, uh, you are the you are the co founder of a conference that helps merchants and sellers uh, Amazon sellers sort every, sort all this out everything we 've been talking about obstacles how to navigate amazon it 's a Tell us about the conference and when when it is, where it's at, how much it costs, that sort of thing.
0: So, uh, my business colleague and I, we we founded a conference called Prosper Show, prospershow.com. It is a continuing education conference for Amazon sellers, and it's specifically designed around how do you help sellers understand what the key issues are, so that they can become better informed around what solutions are out there to help them improve their business. Um, I have unfortunately been to a lot of conferences where I feel like everything is a sales pitch, and that doesn't really help me understand what I don't know in order to make me a better informed consumer. We've taken the very very different approach, which is help educate folks, help have open discussions around what the issues are, and then people can make decisions around whether they want to solve a problem themselves or go externally and work with a solution provider or service provider. So. Uh, our conference runs uh, March 22nd, 23rd this coming year and all of a few weeks from now. We're at the Las Vegas Convention Center. We have co located with the ASD conference, which is a very, very large sourcing conference, uh, in part to help our attendees be able to basically do two things at once. Not only come and get high quality education to help grow their Amazon business, but also to meet sourcing companies, manufacturing plants. Uh, organizations that can help these these sellers to gain access to more product at lower prices. So we're at the Las Vegas Convention Center, March 22nd, 23rd. We've got uh, a handful of workshops the day before for folks that want to come in and take advanced advanced content to accelerate their businesses in specific areas. Uh, we currently have ticket pricing uh, lower price ticketing through the end of January. Uh, beginning February 1st, our prices go up. We're at $699 per person right now. That includes a number of meals, uh, networking events, and video recordings of all of the all of the show on March 22nd and 23rd. And we look forward to having uh, a very large group of people um, coming to listen to more than a dozen ex-Amazon business leaders and about 30 industry experts on a variety of topics that we've identified as being the key issues that are most affecting and most hurting Amazon sellers today.
1: Anything else before we sign off?
0: Kerry, it's, it, it's one of those situations where Amazon is here to stay. We've all got to figure out how does Amazon play into our businesses as sellers, as brands, as manufacturers. Uh, it's a very challenging time to stay on top of all the, the changes that happen, and Amazon continues to evolve. Uh, we, we hope that we'll see a number a number of the listeners out at the conference in, in March uh, so that we, we can all continue to have open discussions and find better ways to help each other grow.
1: Okay. Well, for purposes of our listeners, I've been visiting with James Thompson. James is a former Amazon executive, and he's the co-founder of The Prosper Show, as he just mentioned. That's at prospershow.com. That's coming up in March in Las Vegas. And James Thompson, we want to thank you, sir, for your time today.
0: Thanks very much.